or maybe even successfully at all. And so we're supposed to do this as a family. And so we do church family style here. And so you should have people from this room involved in your life that you're checking in on, maybe small groups or something like that. We've got a, another one or two of those starting here soon. But and then finally is to God's plan. As you begin to invite, after you invite him to your heart, you begin to walk this life out with people, you'll begin to see what God's purpose is for your life. And that's when, that's when things get really, really fun. Uh, you should have uh, somewhere in front of you, you should see some action cards. Uh, the front one is uh, typically the orange one that says connect. If uh, this is how we stay connected with you, very, you know, you guys should be able to pick up on that one. And so we like to communicate things uh, primarily through email and through Facebook. And so um, that's just how we do things. All of our volunteer stuff goes through email. We use Planning Center. And so it is important that we know how to connect with you. And then also you can uh, reach out for different things there. And then there's the other cards in front of you um, as you communicate with us and the things that you need. Had a uh, young mother asked me last week, when can I have my baby dedicated? I said, pick the Sunday. Uh, if somebody else says, Pastor Adam, when can I be baptized? Pick the Sunday. Uh, this is what we exist to do here is to move people forward into all that God has for them. Uh, you'll see these out at the welcome desk. It says, be my guest. And uh, we're getting ready to add uh, guest parking spots out in the parking lot. And it is important that we have a culture here where we are reaching out and inviting our family, our friends, our co-workers. And as Chrissy shared last week, actually the stats say, this is one of the things that I think we're afraid of is people rejecting us and maybe uh, coming across too strong or, or whatever. But it's actually about 80% of people will eventually come if you nag them enough. Uh, no, uh, if, if you invite them kindly enough. And so, uh, anybody notice we got a little bit more color and light up here this week? Uh, I wanna thank Randy for hooking those up. Thank you, Randy. But if you haven't paid attention to Facebook this week, uh, which you're probably better off for, but like I said, we communicate on there. Um, I received a call early this week from Grace Church, Grace Fellowship, uh, the, the big church in Pickerington, the biggest, and uh, said, Pastor Adam, do you want some lights? Well, when somebody offers cool stuff to our church, I have a quick answer. You know, that's not one of those things, well, let me pray about it. It's yes, <laughs> yes. Do you want money? Yes. Do you want lights? Uh, yes. And so next thing I know, a couple guys from their tech team, they actually brought them here because it was raining. I, my truck doesn't have a cover. So they actually brought them here like an hour later. And, um, and so God bless Grace Fellowship. They're the real deal, Pastor Keith and his people. And so we are in this together. And just so you know, everything that we have is available to build the kingdom of God, not just family church. Is that okay with you guys? Okay. A couple other little announcements. Yeah, he is worthy of praise for that. Uh, Nicole and her team are excited. We have got her uh, current series is Survivor. So your kids are learning how to survive and uh, in, in God's plan for their life. And so we're doing a finale on 10-14, October 14th, out there in our field. We're going to have a bonfire, and so we're going to bring our chairs. We're going to cook hot dogs and s'mores and have fun. The kids have some final games for their competitions. And so we're going to hang out there as a family, as a church family, and support that. And then a couple weeks after that, we do our outreach on Beggar's Night here in Pickerington. We call it Light Up the Night. We're adding a second location this year. So it'll be my house and then also Jalen and Joelle's house, which is just a couple miles up Tollgate. They're right there in Edna. And what it is, we basically light up the night, which I believe is a night that the enemy intends for darkness, no matter how you celebrate it. I'll save my judgment for you on a private basis. That's fine. Uh, but seriously, what the enemy has intended, the history of it is awful, regardless of how you enjoy it today. And so I believe that we're a night that is set aside for darkness, that the God's people should be a bright light. And so the idea is that we take two houses in the middle of big neighborhoods and we light up the sky and we're loving on people. And I think we gave away like 300 hot dogs last year. And I think that was just to one kid, but uh, no. <laughs> we gave out hot dogs and candy. And so we're gonna start collecting candy next Sunday for that. And um, anyways, just want you to be supportive of that as we reach out. Some of you guys will be at your own houses passing things out, that's fine. But if you can support one of those two locations and come and help us out and love on some people, that would be awesome. God loves 
I don't have to do this very often. Chrissy's not feeling well, and, and uh, so I'm like, what do I do up here? And so it's so awesome when other people step up. It is important that we worship God with our giving. And we don't make a, a high-pressure thing about it here, but make no mistake, that's not to diminish the power behind it. As you yield your heart to God, and, and, and part of it is that, is that fear of finances and, and what to hang on to, and it sounds cliche, but God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And, and there's a part of our hearts that stay locked up with that heart. And so as you give unto the Lord, as you, as you obey him, and as you just let it go, just like grace, take $5,000 worth of lights. Just take it. Use it for the kingdom over in your corner of Pickerington. That's how we, that's how we are supposed to give our lives away and the things that God has given us away. It should be, you need this, take it. God, should, God gave it to me and, and I'm happy to share. And so part of giving is how we keep our hearts right with God. And so we do our giving a few ways. You can do it through the box. You can do it through text. You can do it online. And as always, we appreciate you standing with the vision of this church and more importantly, being obedient to God's will in your life. And we pray over the offering and then we're going to start preaching. Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for a big vision, God, to reach people and to introduce them to you and the plans for their life. God, I thank you that this would truly feel and live like a family in this place. God, as we have these outreaches coming up, as we celebrate a conclusion of another great teaching series down with our kids, and God, as we go to light up the night, as we would be a bright place on a dark night for our communities, God, I thank you that you would be the one glorified. God, we lift up the, the finances of this place. God, we thank you for meeting our needs. And God, we thank you that you have given us a vision that is, is for you and for your glory. And we're just happy and privileged to be a part of it. Bless the service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. But yeah, I seldom have to be up here and, and, and talk that much up front. So, um, but uh, Chrissy's got a baby coming. They shot him, uh, not today. Uh, uh, they shot a wedding yesterday, and so she texted me last night. She said, I, I got to tap out. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. girl, get better, and uh, because it's, it's just not worth it. And so so here we are this morning. I want to start with a story. You guys seem to like my story last week about uh, facing uh, fears. We got a new series here. So today we're going to talk about fear of failure. And I was pretty much, if, if you saw one word over and over again, or a phrase in my report cards growing up, it was not performing up to, what, what, fill me in. Potential. Yeah, that, that word, I don't like the P word, you know, as a kid, and, and, uh, and so I tended to believe in life that life was best lived standing, you know, somewhere underneath the radar, you know. Uh, if, if you stood out too much, then people would ask you to do things, and, and, uh, and I just had better things to do than to do a whole lot of homework or, or to pay attention in class or, or uh, study, and, and so now I'm a hypocrite every night with my own kids at homework, and, and it's like, this is what you're supposed to do, and, and uh, I really don't have any experience with it, but, uh, but this, is, this is what they tell me, and this applied to everything, and so uh, we weren't really a sports kind of family, and, and, uh, and depending on the community you're in, that could basically mean you're like, you don't fit in at all, and uh, so I'd gone to a little Christian school, and then we switched over to a public school, Groveport Madison Schools, heard they just got a new high school, fantastic, good for them, and, uh, and so I'm at Groveport Madison Middle School North, I'm in the seventh grade, I got a buddy, and uh, we decide that uh, we decide that we're going to try out for the track team. That's my mother laughing a lot. If you want to know where the story is going, now I haven't always been, you know, chubby. Uh, so even in even in middle school, you know, I was probably somewhat normal size, except I think my mom had to buy special pants for me as a kid. You know, husky and then. Adam, you know, but no, uh, I wasn't that big. I, Daniel gets mad at me for joking like that. But anyways, I joke that I really only run if like, I, if like I miss the ice cream man or like the pizza man's at the wrong house or something like that. But I was a normal kid, played, you know, whatever else, but I had not pursued sports. And so I decided that I'm going to try out for track. Okay. Well, track is a spring sport, they tell me. 
and uh, you're, when you try out for spring sports and you do the early things, it's still winter, okay, and nasty because this is Ohio. And, and so we are doing sprints in the back hallway of the middle school. Stupid. I mean, you're eight foot wide and you've got kids chasing each other down the hall. And so it was all about, well, let's figure out, I mean, in the 100 or 200 feet you have to run here, let's figure out who's the fastest, you know, and, and figure out who, who's going to do what. Start matching kids up and well, let's get back to that. Is that okay? The series is called Face Your Fears. And when you decide to do something that is outside of what you've done before, the very first thought you have is not, oh, this is going to be fun. Now, if that's your first thought, you're just nuts. And you're one of those people that will just, okay, I'll jump out of the, you know, this is, this is a good idea. I'm just going to go for it. And maybe a few people are wired that way. But for most of us, and, and myself included, it's, I don't think that's going to end well. You know, uh, I really don't want to run a lot. And, and so uh, come to find out that running is not just on the race day, but, you know, you run all week to get ready for race day. And, and, and so when you go into something new or maybe even you're, you're coming into church for the first time or, or, or any situation, new job or, or whatever, and you have this fear of failure. We're in this series called Face Your Fears. 2 Timothy 1.7 is our core verse. And many of us have it memorized like this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. The New Living Translation says this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And so we're using this as a launch point to address four of our fears that I believe drive us as people. And we dealt last week with fear of rejection. Hopefully you can go back and pick that one up if you missed it. And um, it's just all too real for all of us all the time. Today we're going to talk about failure. Uh, next week is fear of intimacy. And uh, fourth week is fear of losing control. So week one, we talked about rejection. And I use these two terms of free hugs and stiff arms. That people that deal with rejection have two approaches to it. It's, I'll hug anybody and everybody because I just want somebody to love me. Right? And then there's the stiff arm that says, I've been hurt once, twice, or a thousand times, and you're not getting anywhere close to me. And sometimes it's a combination of both. People will let you in, like they'll let everybody in the first couple feet, but then there's that strong wall that says, you're not getting any further. I'm on lockdown. Right? And this is a part of my story. It's, it's a part of everybody's story. And we talked through that. Uh, today, we're going to talk about failure. Everyone fears failure. Everyone does. I'm going to tell a story that, that Jesus told first in Matthew 25. And it talks about a master leaving. And that he gives his servants his resources to handle while he's gone. And so it says that there's three servants involved. It says that he gives one five bags of silver. He gives another one, another servant two bags of silver. And another one, one bag of silver. And interestingly, which I think is, is what we tend to get distracted by when somebody else has something different than us or what appears to be more than us, we're bothered by that. It says dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And I'll just stop right there that just as I parent my kids, anytime I limit them on something or I give them more, it's because it's out of love. I want them to, I don't want them to fail. I want them to succeed. So we see this played out on a daily basis. What happens when you give a 20 year old $20 million? Anything good other than maybe a Ferrari or two? I consider those in the good category. <laughs> Bad things happen, right? It's too much in mo most cases for that young person's maturity level or their experience in life. 
And so God loves us so much that he gives us what fits us. Is that cool? So he leaves them these bags. And then let me start in verse 24. I want to read this. He comes back. And he sees the first, let's go up to 21 actually. So the, the person with five bags, he comes forward and he says, I've earned five more for you. The master was full of praise, verse 21. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. 24, then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew that I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And he basically says, take the servant and get him away from me. These are some of the more powerful words that Jesus taught. They're, 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 they're powerful, they're haunting, because he is talking about how he's addressing his people. This is, the sir, this is the master leaving the house telling his followers, this is what you're, I'm trusting you to use what I gave you. When Jesus was on this earth and then died, resurrected, went to heaven, what did he leave us to work with? His Holy Spirit, he left us basically the keys to the cupboard of everything heaven has to offer. So collectively, as a body, we've been given not just one bag of silver, two bags of silver. We've been given all of it. And then as individuals, God has trusted us to use our lives to build his kingdom before the second coming. And before all things end is what we're talking about here. Just to go way macro, big picture. Right? And this guy says... I knew, did you hear some of those phrases? You harvested crops that you did not plant. And so I was afraid to use my resources. We should actually have the opposite take. If God can make something out of nothing, then we should be even more excited to use whatever he's given us. I've just seen what God has done in this church. I mean, we went from a strip center to and a, and a, and a gathering of people to he just he just he's he's amping it up, yeah. and and he can make something out of nothing. And yet, this guy said, "I was afraid." What was he afraid of? Failing, right? Listen to this. My stupid screen keeps turning off. I'm sorry. I got a different iPad today. Everyone fears failure, but just like last week where we have two people respond to reject, we have two different ways of responding to rejection, I see most people fall into two different ways of dealing with failure. We're going to say frozen, say frozen, frozen. louder, frozen. frozen. Nobody starts singing the stupid song from the stupid movie. <laughs> frenzy, say frenzy. Frenzy. One more time. Frenzy. frenzy. We got these two pictures of frozen and frenzy. So I see people primarily dealing with failure these two different ways. One is they freeze up. I'm not going to try. Because I would rather, I would rather not try because then I could say, then I could never say that I failed. Right? And so how many times have you in your own life, and, and these are things, we'll do both of these in our life. But most people tend to, to have one of these as their default way of approaching things. And so we either are this person or we know somebody close to us. Again, no elbows. Let the Holy Spirit do what he does. He doesn't need your help. But how many times do we just freeze up? Ooh. No, 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 no. Now, if I'm standing on the door, side door of an airplane a few thousand feet up, 
I'm going to feel okay about that. Because some of y'all have done that, and I think you're a little weird. <laughs> There's part of me that thinks, I think I'd like it. But I don't think I could ever get my foot out the door. But what about, and I'll just be real here, when I see somebody in a parking lot or in a store, and I feel something, a tug in my mind of, you should go see if that person needs prayer for something. God just doesn't ask pastors to do that, by the way. I've said yes to those things a few times. And almost every time I've said yes, it's a, usually a very good moment. I can't remember something going badly, actually. So why then did I not go up to that person so many other times? Sometimes I'm distracted by what I'm doing, but if I'm being honest, there's a part of me every time that says, no, I'm good. I don't want I don't want to risk an interaction of failure, right? So you have the frozen. That's one thing. Frenzy. This is probably where I've leaned more towards in my life, especially as I've gotten older and I, and I realized that there was more to life than sitting. And, uh, and um, although that can be fun too. But here's the thing. Once you flip that on button where you are a doer, then the frenzy begins. Because you are so afraid of failure that you will do everything to keep all the plates spinning to not let anything fall. And so instead of watching the world go by, you are this frantic, crazy person. No elbows, okay? So, and we can tend to do this for different things. I can be crazy like this. When I'm getting ready for an event or something like that, I'm trying to be involved with everything. And sometimes I've had to be, and, and now thankfully we're coming to the place where people are like, Adam, shut up, let me do this. So you can go do something else. And that's how it's supposed to be. So we either have these two positions that we default to, and, and, and we'll go to those for different things, and, and different things scare us in different ways. And so if it's something that we feel like we can control, then we might be a frenzy in there. But if it comes to sharing our faith with somebody, we just freeze. Has anybody ever froze up in here? Has anybody worked themselves in such a frenzy that nobody really wants to be around? Don't raise your hand. That's, that, like I said, that's, the, that's what I can default to. Uh, Matthew Henry says this, Grace will bring a man to heaven without working miracles, but working miracles will never bring a man to heaven without grace. Let me read that again. Really good stuff. We usually don't use words this big these days. Grace will bring a man to heaven without working miracles, but working miracles will never bring a man to heaven without grace. And so a trap for a Christian is, I've got to do it. A trap for a pastor is, oh my gosh, they need me, they need me, they need me. And, oh, my family hates me, but at least I met with 50 people this week. Because you think you've got to do it, right? And so it's chase, 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 chase. And maybe you've done this in your work environment. Maybe you've, maybe you've done this with a hobby or a sports or, or a school or whatever else. And, and the fear is, that it's I'm going to achieve this. And so part of this encouragement today is, is we're trying to get some people to take that step that are frozen. But then the people that are stuck in the frenzy to say, I'm... I'm aware now, and I'm probably wearing the people out around me, and I've forgotten what really changes hearts and get things done, and that's the spirit of the living God, and I just need to be obedient and move with him. Every person that he walks with and leads with and does great things with, he's, he's got a pace that's not going to wear you out. There's going to be hard days and tough days. But I like what Pastor Conan tells me and, and when he's encouraging our, our network of pastors. He said, is what you're doing today sustainable? Mm -hmm. Now we have peak 
periods, you know, when you've got a toddler, have fun. When you're ninth month of pregnancy, have fun. If you've just started a new job, difficult. When you're in finals week of school, difficult. There should be those little peaks on the graph, right? But can you stay there day in, day out, long term? Absolutely not. And if you try, what happens? You burn out, you flame out, and you crash hard. And usually the downtime is worse than anything you've achieved up to then. And that, that, that happens with everybody, including pastors. How do we overcome the fear of failure? The first part, the first point, is the most discouraging thing I can tell you. You ready for it? How do you overcome failure? Point number one, you will fail. Thanks, Pastor. Can I go to breakfast now? That's just what I needed. After being beat up all week and not wondering how I'm going to get that bill paid and my kids are crazy and yeah, I know I'm going to fail. Thanks. But seriously, so much of the fear of it is just this unreasonable lack of acceptance of saying, I'm going to try to keep something away from me that I can't keep away from me. Right? And so much of the fear is just in the, the thought of the failure itself. How many of you have failed before? Are you still here? Right. And so we get this panic of this thing coming at us and we don't know or we don't stop to think about that there's still going to be life on the other side of that. And so we freeze or we overfocus and try to get and try to avoid it. So we all will fail. James 3.2 says we all stumble in many different ways. Here's a couple things to, to help us with that. Allow yourself to feel the disappointment, but not the disapproval. What's the difference? Allow yourself to feel the disappointment of a failure, but not the disapproval. What's the disapproval that comes? What's disapproval that comes from failure? That's where you personalize the failure and you say, I am a failure. Right. Which leads us to number two, which says failure is an event, never a person. Now, what stings about both of these is that other people are hurting and broken too. And so all of us have likely had other people that have intentionally or unintentionally made us feel like we were the failures. And I'm sad to say some in this room have probably even been told by people close to them that they were failures. That, those are the hardest things to come around and, and you, may need, you may need counseling to walk through that. I'm, I'm, I just, this, some things cannot be undone, you know, in, in, a, in a half hour message, right? But did you feel the weight just hit the room? Why? Because it's real and somebody made us feel that way or some people at some point in our life, right? And so we have to see what God says about us and not what other people have said or will say about us because people don't, people are just crazy and, and people, hurting people hurt other people. And so what happens is, is somebody that learned bad habits of, of, of expectation and stuff and, and where the, the love, the affection was given out based on achievements, well, then that's all you know to do with other people. And, and those are the standards that you hold people to. And so those might be things that you have to unravel over a while. Romans 5, 3 says this, we can rejoice also when we run into problems and trials. Let me read that. It's like, why would I rejoice for problems and trials? We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. So we're actually going to figure out how much God loves us through our trials. Absolutely. Because it's very easy to be a Buckeye fan 
when they are beating the tar out of TCU, it's very difficult <laughs> sometimes to be a fan when they can't run the ball and they refuse to stop the other quarterback from running all over us. <laughs> very fresh example. God's team came out on top, you know. <laughs> That's not true, it's not true. You know I joke. But seriously, it's one thing, I, and, and I say this, I say this in absolute sincerity, because if I probably pull for a team, I don't do, I don't really root for the NFL, but I think Browns fans are the best fans in the country. Yes. Why? They're arguably the most loyal because it's easier to support somebody that is in the end zone and, and holding the Lombardi Trophy after the Super Bowl. And so how many new fans come out after a team wins a Super Bowl? And so it's you don't really know who loves you until the chips are down, right? How many friends do you have on payday and how many friends do you have on the day before payday, right? These are things like... God's love is revealed to us through the trials because I'm going to run out of me real quick. Real quick. And even when I think I've got something, I know better deep inside. And so not only does it push me to depend on him, but when I see him continue to love me, regardless of how many times I trip and fall, I grow deeper in understanding his love for me through those trials and, trail, and, and tribulations. And then to see that, that develops endurance, develops strength. So why on earth would a coach have you run five miles every day before a race of just a quarter mile? It's, it's all about endurance. Endurance builds that strength and character. And then it says that fear of failure can end up being exchanged for hope that will not be disappointed. Do you see what God wants us to exchange our fear of failure for? That's because we're going to move it, our expectations from us to not failing, which is an unrealistic expectation. I mean, if you're failing at everything all the time, maybe get a life coach, but <laughs> something might need to be fixed, okay? But if we remove that unrealistic expectation and we place our trust in the Lord to carry us through the failures, then all of a sudden our hope goes beyond the event and it becomes placed in a person that will not disappoint us, God the Father. That sounds like a better way to live to me, doesn't it? Here's the thing. Uh, number two. So number one was you will fail. I got better news for you this time. Number two, you can overcome. Proverbs 24, 16 says this. The godly may trip. Who? So not, so hang on. After I'm a Christian, after I'm following Jesus, I'm still going to fail? Yes. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. When our hope goes outside of our abilities and it's placed in the living God that can, that can walk with us through whatever life brings us, we're going we're gonna to just keep popping back up like a weeble wobble. Those of you maybe not old enough to know that, it's sad. <laughs> you can overcome. I was looking up some fights. Who likes watching a boxing match every now and then? Where the in Okay, good boxing match. I grew up in the 80s and 90s, which means the boxing icon of my lifetime is Iron Mike Tyson. <laughs> Here's the thing. What do you really want to see in a good fight or what's considered a good fight? Well, let me tell you what isn't a good fight. So, um... On August 19th, I know the date because it's my wedding date, and like a good boy, I have that one memorized, okay? So after the wedding, my family hosted everybody at my parents' house to watch Mike Tyson's comeback fight after his little stint in prison, nice guy at the time, 
to a name that you'll never remember, but I had to look it up, Peter McNeely. This was the comeback fight as a kid. I mean, it was just knockout, knockout, knockout. I even played Mike Tyson's punch out, right? Body blow, body blow. Okay. Good. 87 seconds later, and old Peter McNeely is out with the TKO. And my dad had spent probably $100 on pay-per-view the first and maybe last time he ever did pay-per-view. <laughs> Filled our little basement with, I think, everybody that, that was at the wedding. And, uh, and so, um, is that a good fight? No, the classic fights that are listed are ones like Muhammad Ali. The first one was Rumble in the Jungle against Foreman. And then you had uh, the fight of the century where his first fight against Joe Frazier. And guess what? Ali would lose for the first time in that fight. Up until that day, he was 31 and up. And then Ali would win the second one. And then the third fight was called the Thrilla in Manila. Those fights were all 8, 12, and 15 rounds of two of the best guys at the time trading blows and going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Why do I say all that? What makes a legend, and now you're Mike Tyson, he's famous, and, and a cultural icon for God bless him. But who's the greatest fighter that ever lived? Muhammad Ali. Why? Because all throughout that time, just, yeah, Cassius Clay, but uh, going through those battles and taking on the best of the best, it wasn't these staged, okay, you're, you're somebody from nowhere and we're just going to pad the title or whatever else. It was who's the best, I'm going to fight him, let's go 15 rounds and see who walks away. Right? crazy. But what builds that character that builds hope? It's that grind. It's that battle. And it's knowing that I may not have won this round, but I'm going to win the next round. And I'm going to come back for more. And God is looking for people that are not afraid of the ring of life. And understand that there's going to be ups and downs. And that there's going to be times where we're laying on the mat. You encouraged yet? All right. Here's the thing. We tend to make an idol out of success. And I don't just say tend to. We make idols out of success. And so that becomes this goal of just this perfect event, this perfect day, this perfect child. Good luck. Uh, this perfect whatever. And so we make this idol out of the, the end goal. And this can happen, okay, you want them to talk crazy, plan a church. And some of y'all been crazy enough to be with me for a while. And it's this, it's this crazy thing. When I get out of line, it's because I've made an idol out of somebody's definition for what success looks like as a church. You all do this wherever you work. Moms do this when they try to evaluate how they're, you know, doing their things with their kids. And, and dads do this and athletes do this. And, and we end up elevating what this idea looks like of success. But God showed me something and I'm still learning it. But he showed me this early on that he didn't ask me to plan a church because I knew how or that I was necessarily qualified. He wanted to do something in me in the process. So I didn't get to do it because of where anything I had achieved, although things set me up for it. But listen to this. It doesn't matter what happens to you. It matters what happens in you. Inside of you. What's going on inside of you? Are you growing as a man or a woman of God? Are you learning to trust him more? Are you learning to take your defeats to him instead of, it's one thing to tell a few people about it, but who are you going to to build you back up? What builds you back up? 
And so this should be a process of something changing inside of us, regardless of what the score says, right? Before the Buckeyes turned around that game, I remember, um, I remember Herb Street saying, these 60 minutes are going to teach Dwayne Haskins, our quarterback, more about the game of football than every game he's played up to. Like, there, there's things he's going to learn facing this extreme level of adversity that he'd never been in before. Right? So who's a better... He was already awesome, but he's a better... What I'm saying is... I would rather a game, I mean, as a Buckeye fan, it's like, or any fan of any team, those moments where you don't, where you feel frustrated and you don't know what's going to happen and, and you're losing and it looks like you're going to, I don't like those moments as a fan and that's just a game on TV, <clears throat> but the team's better today from going through that level of, of, of adversity and finding their way through it. And he said, and uh, Herbstreit said something else interesting. He said, don't take Penn State out of the top 10. Don't you dare. They gave the number four team all they could handle. And they lost. What does that mean? You lost to a great team by a little margin. What's that say about you? Well, you could choose to say I'm a loser, and I hope they do a little bit. <laughs> I did joke, there was a family walking out ahead of me at Kroger's a week ago, and like, and uh, just had a little kid with him in the cart, and uh, the mom was like, you gotta get home to watch Penn State. I said, I just joked, obviously. I said, I said, you shouldn't do that to your kids. And uh, we laughed. They ran their car into mine, and, and, and came to blows. No, it's sports, 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 I joked. But that other quarterback on the field last night, is one of the best I've ever seen and has a fight in him that I've, you don't see very often. He's not going to be very happy right now. Should he feel like he's a failure? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And that's what God wants us to see. I'm using just, just dumb sports analogies, but it's easy for us to see it that, but, but we tend to personalize every defeat in our life. If our kids' grades, or if, if they need to go to counseling, or if they, can I talk about real life here? Yeah. Or if you're struggling to, to get caught up on bills at times, or, or whatever, and you personalize those defeats, and you say, I am not good enough. It doesn't matter what happens to you, it matters what's in you. Galatians 6, 9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest, if we do not give up. That ought to bless somebody in this room. There's a reason why we keep going. I'm going to keep working with my kids. I'm going to keep preaching up here on the stage. I'm going to keep trying to get ahead of my, of my finances and get organized. I'm going to keep working on relationships with people that challenge me. I'm going to keep sharing my faith with people. And I'm going to keep saying yes when God prompts me to, to talk to somebody. Why? Why would I keep going in the face of the potential of failure? Because at the proper time, we will reach a harvest. Awesome. So number one, you will fail. Number two, you can overcome. Number three, you must take risks. For me, I've heard people say, well, you're good at a few things. And, and, and of course, they're, you know, who doesn't like to hear something like that? But God showed me something. You know, I, I, I have this, uh, it's an old phrase, but... Jack of all trades, master of none. I, I, I tend to stay curious about a lot of things, and I like to know little about a lot of things. But even as I was preparing this message, God showed me that I can hide behind that because I'm not really risking anything when I'm not claiming to be an expert on anything. Did you catch that? Well, I'm not really an, a rabid sports fan, 
So, you know, don't hold me to all the stats, and I can probably only name five Buckeye players, you know, like how many names can I even think up of right now? Some of y'all can name the whole team or whatever else, you know. When it comes to, you know, doing different projects, and, and so God showed me even in preparing this that, that I can hide behind that because I tend to set, be satisfied to be good enough in different areas. And, that's okay. You see, you see what I'm getting at? I'm not trying to speak this out of pride. I'm trying to speak this out of... Sometimes we hide behind things that sound good on the surface. Well, I don't have to be the brightest light. What if God wants you to be? He needs people to excel in different areas. He needs people in every sphere of life. Without faith, Hebrews says in 11.6, it is impossible to please God, without faith. Wow. So when that master came back in those stories and he says, well done, that sounds like somebody who is pleased. He didn't say, oh, you could have done better or, you know, I'm sure there weren't, you know, if you would have looked at those stories in detail, maybe you would have seen bumps in the road. But he was pleased that those first two servants acted out of faith. Mm -hmm. And then he came to servant number three and he said, you acted or you didn't act out of fear. And this word, it's a heavy one in, 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 in Hebrews. It says we can't please God without this. Your greatest fear, if your greatest fear is failure, then your greatest pain will be regret. And so I find myself that I will hedge my bets and, and only go after sure things sometimes. And so God has worked with me, obviously, to, to take steps of faith and, and, and run in and, and reach for something that I, I, did, I know I can't do on my own. So here's our big question today. Usually we have a few. We've got one big question today. What faith risks are God calling you to take? And I can ask a question like that because as, as I understand this Bible, that every one of us in this room today has more than one faith risk God has on the table with you right now. I believe that. Why would he be that way with us? Why would he have challenges basically there for us? Well, I read it earlier because he wants us to work through those challenges, even if it means failing sometimes, so that we can grow in endurance, grow in strength, grow in hope in him. Right? Listen to this. Anxiety is not a sin, but disobedience is. Now, some might say just having fear is, but I don't think so. I think fear is just our human condition, and then we've got to look from ourselves up to heaven. I, I think it's how, what we do with that is, 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 is where the heart is. And so for something to bring us to a point of concern, like a giant spider or a snake, and uh, I don't feel bad at having some anxiety in that moment. And if my wife makes me kill the spider, I will, but I would prefer to leave the spider alone. There was a little garter snake, or a little, little snake, like this long, in the church a while ago. And it was down on the steps, and it actually got stuck on some bit of tape. <laughs> My son's friend got it off of there and got it out of the church. I don't touch snakes. <laughs> Anxiety is not a sin, but disobedience is. When I feel... I just concern and I'm starting to wrap my mind around something that God is showing me to do. I don't believe the sin is there, but when I stay to myself and I disobey God, then I've then I've crossed that line of not just not pleasing him, but actually disobeying him. I want to close with this scripture. Revelation 12, 11. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It says this, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. They did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. 
So that first part, the first half, is, is usually what gets rattled off sometimes. And it's that they, that they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb. We get that. That's Jesus on the cross. That's where the real power is. He defeated sin, and then he defeated death when he went into the grave and then walked back out. I love any song that references that. And one song we did today was the, you know, the dawn of the third day. That's 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 the moment, you know. That's and so Tim taking his own life for our sin, letting his life go, letting his spirit go. There's these huge things happen. But it says they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. Well, what's your testimony? This is the one time where you and I are allowed to have our own truth. That's not really possible, and the world thinks it is. Your truth, my truth. What we're talking about is my experience. What would you testify to in court? Your personal experience. You cannot have that taken away from you. And so if your testimony is never trying anything and failing and having God walk through, what do you have to go to when you're facing something. Not much. You've got nothing to pull back on. It says, well, but what I can look back and see in my life is that was bad and God pulled me through. That was terrible and God pulled me through. I was sick there and God pulled me through. I believe God's healing my wrist right now. I have a pinched nerve and some damage in here. And we had another, I believe, a breakthrough at a prayer meeting Friday night. And so I can look back the next time that I'm praying for somebody else or myself and say, God healed that person. God healed me then. I believe he can heal me again today. You see what happens there. So your testimony is where your strength comes from. It's, 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 it's not you. It's looking back at what God has already done in your life. And so if you never try anything and fail and walk through anything, what do you have to look back on? And then the last phrase of that scripture, they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. This series is important because fear keeps us from walking with Jesus fully and then walking for Jesus. You see what I'm saying? It will restrict your relationship with him and it will restrict how you live your life for him. And so we're looking at these different ones that have us locked up today. Can we pray? With heads bowed today, uh, we have prayer teams that are, are scheduled every Sunday morning and are here to pray with you. Sometimes I forget to mention them, but they'll be up here for the rest of the service. And then we're also going to have people in the back uh, towards uh, in the back of the room for prayer. But here as we close this message, I want to go back to those two words we opened up with, how we tend to deal with this fear of failure. Are you frozen today? Are you frozen today and you want God to touch you and you're ready to tell Jesus that you've taken a step forward are you frozen today if you're frozen today and you want to reach out towards heaven today I want to pray with you is that you raise your hand today are you frozen today are you in a frenzy today my hands up Are you in a frenzy where you're so afraid of failure that you will wear yourself out to avoid the possibility of something falling? Is that your heart this morning? Are you, are, is your heart in a frenzy this morning? Raise your hand. God wants to touch you. I see that hand. I see that hand. This is real. Heaven cares about this. Father God, I lift up my brothers and sisters to you today. 
God, I have a feeling that every one of us in this room is maybe locked up in some capacity. God, you came to set the captives free, and it's even sadder that those that would know you and love you would stay locked up in any sort of manner. And so, Father God, I pray for boldness today. I pray for faith today to rise up. God, that where some in this room are frozen, that they would take that step. Father God, I lift up those hearts in my own that can so easily fall into the trap of a frenzy. And it reminds me even of a scripture where you were spending time with two of your closest friends, Mary and Martha. Mary was hanging out with you, listening to you, and Martha was just busy, 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 busy. And she was actually mad that her sister wasn't in the same frenzy with her. And you looked at that person you loved, and you said, Martha, your sister's got it right. She's just sitting here in my presence. And you're missing it while you're making my dinner. We can miss the presence of God as we attempt to live our lives for him if we're not careful because we'll forget what he really cares about. And that's our hearts. Not what we do for him. Receive a touch from heaven today. Receive freedom from heaven today that he values you for your soul. Not for what you do. never said yes to Jesus, if you've never crossed the line of faith, if you've never chosen to follow Jesus and be forgiven of your sin and let him lead you in your life, the church calls this salvation a moment where you cross from darkness to light, where you cross from trusting yourself to trusting God. If you're ready for that today and you want to pray for that today, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Father God, receive these prayers. We are people desperate for you. We want to see you move, God. We want to be a part of the action. Touch us, Jesus. Can we stand and worship at the end of the service? Let's sing to the Lord. If you need prayer again, there's people up here and in the back.
So there I was, the back hallway of Groveport, Madison, middle school north, there at the beginning of what I hoped would be a long and illustrious track career. The fact that my mom already laughed so loud, you probably know how this goes. I lined up. Next to me was the shop clerk, a boy about twice my size because it's middle school and you know, some guys are here, some guys are here. And the shop putter beat me to the end of that hallway. Coach was a nice guy, he's like, I don't quite know what to do with you. You're not big enough to throw the shot putt. You can't get over the hurdles. <laughs> You're not fast enough to run any sprints. You can't run long enough to do anything too long. So I stuck with the 400 meter, man. I thought that's gonna be it. I, I don't wanna do sprints. I'll die if I do a mile. So let's just see, let's just stick with one time around the track. And I'd go to practice. I was allowed to run at meets where there was enough kids that they needed me to run, but only then, and only then. And I came in last every time I ran. Failure is an event, not a person. And it is important that when we fail, and we will fail, that we are disappointed, but we do not feel disapproval because God in heaven is not disapproving of you when you try and you fail. What he looks for and what he celebrates and what pleases him is faith. Father God, would you receive our hearts this morning? May we step out. And those of us in a frenzy, maybe, maybe some of us need to step back. But God, will we make decisions and move based out of faith in you and not out of fear or faith in ourselves. God, may we not, may we stop hedging our bets and do something for the kingdom of God this week. Help us to share your love with somebody else this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.